This is Tailgate Till May, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you love college sports and you like to put a little action on the game, this is the place for you because I love both of those things. I'm your host, Stephen Gorgie, and I'm excited to be back for another episode. You can find me on all the social medias, X or formerly Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all at the same handle at Gorg on sports. Hit me up there. I'd love to hear from you. So I want you to be a part of the show. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're feeling. Tell me what you want to hear about. Tell me what I got right. And of course, tell me what I got wrong. I'm sure you won't be shy about that one. But let's get into things today. Enough housekeeping because we got a big week six coming up in college football and I'm ready to dive into all of it. So before we get started with our showdown breakdown, we got a couple big games we're going to break down today. Before we spray the board, I tell you everything that I'm betting and everything that I'm watching today. I want to do a little segment that I like to call Back to the Future, where I take a look at some futures bets. And if you're a longtime tailgate till May listener, you'll know I did this throughout the course of last basketball season. And one of the best bets that I hit was San Diego State to make the final four that I got as a future. That was a huge one and one that I called out during the Back to the Future segment that I was doing. So the futures market is one that I love to play. It's one that I love to look at, and I've been taking a look at it every week throughout this college football season, and I hadn't added anything up until this week. I had a couple preseason futures I was riding with, but I hadn't added anything new until this week, and the one new future bet that I have added is the Texas Longhorns at 11-1. to to win the national title. Now you can get them 11 to one at bet rivers and it is much higher than the price you can get it at, at a bunch of the other books that I use and the popular ones out there at FanDuel, bet MGM Caesars and points bet. They are plus seven fifty, seven and a half to one, but you can get Texas at 11 to one at bet rivers. And I did, I invested in that. I put a unit on them. The only other national championship bet I have in play right now is Michigan at 10 to one. And that's a bet that I made uh, maybe as early as June. Maybe it was July. It was June 11th. I put that in Michigan 10 to one. So those are the only two national title bets that I have in place right now. And we're going to talk a lot more about Texas over the course of this show because we're going to break down Texas OU, the Red River shootout, and then A&M and Bama. Those are the two games I'm going to break down a little bit more in depth today. Those are the big games of the weekend. But this Texas team is one that I had major questions about in the offseason. If you listen to my Big 12 preview show, you'd know that I bet Texas under nine and a half wins. I didn't believe in them really at all. I didn't trust Quinn Ewers. I thought they had a lot of talent on this team, but I thought they'd have some problems replacing Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson. I didn't trust them. But what I've learned throughout the course of this season is you got to adjust your expectations. You got to take into account what you actually see with your eyes, what you see on the stat sheets. And Texas is one of the most well-rounded teams in the country. There's not a glaring weakness necessarily on this team. They have talent on offense. They get after the quarterback or sorry, they have talent on 
offense. They uh, have skill at the wide receiver positions, running back. Quinn Yours has played well. He, he's been better than I expected him to be in some of the non-big-time games. And on, honestly, he showed up huge in that Alabama game. They also get after the quarterback on defense. They've been very good defensively. They have a lot of talent there. They really got after that Alabama offensive line in that big game. And I don't see an obvious hole with Texas. I also think the Big 12 has taken a pretty big step back compared to last year. And of course, they they face a big test in Oklahoma this weekend. But the Big 12, to me, doesn't seem to be the week-in and week-out gauntlet that it was a year ago. And part of that is certainly TCU taking a step back. Kansas State, I still think, is very good. I, I think they're more top 20 good than top 10 good without uh, without Deuce Vaughn in that backfield the defense isn't quite the same as it was a season ago more top 20 than top 10 good still very good but I don't feel like the depth is there that that was there last year where it felt like every week you were facing a top 10 to top 35 type team. I feel like there's more teams falling outside that top 35 into the 50, 60, 70 range in this year's version of the big 12. So that's one of the reasons I I really have started to like Texas and their path to the college football playoff. Like I said, they've answered the questions for me and I feel like it's the time where I need to adjust and I need to take a shot at them. And I think I mentioned this on the Sunday recap show, but if you like Texas at all, you got to get in on them now because if you think they are national championship caliber and they beat, Oklahoma this weekend, that price is going to go way down. At that point, they'll be 6-0. and They'll have defeated Oklahoma on a neutral field and Alabama on the road. And I, I would say that would be the best resume in the country. I think that would be more impressive than Florida State's neutral site win against LSU and road win against Clemson. So now is the time if you are interested in texas if you think they can do something big this year now would be the time for you to invest in them and and that's exactly what i have done so my two national championship bets right now are michigan 10 to 1 to win the title i made that back in june and i just added this week texas at 11 to 1 to win the national championship and i really like both of those because i think georgia is susceptible I don't think Georgia is the lock that they've been the past couple of years. I want to take a shot against the dogs who are the favorite. And those are a couple of teams that I think are worth taking a shot on. Now you're going to ask me, would I invest in Michigan right now at four to one? And I think that price is a little too low for me. Uh, certainly because I got it back in June at 10 to one. So I'm not going to play Michigan that way. I got to maybe if you like Michigan, you know, you might be better off just playing them against Penn state, playing them against Ohio state. I don't think that four to one price is quite good enough right now. So that's my back to the future segment. Texas 11 to one to win the national title. And I'm going to keep an eye on these futures week by week. We'll go through them. Even if I don't add something, we'll talk about some of the futures that seem interesting. The one other thing I did look at this week was the ACC and two plays kind of caught my eye there. North Carolina plus 800 or Miami plus 700. That's both on DraftKings to win the league. 
And with Miami, I don't think you'll lose anything by waiting. So I'm going to wait on them a little bit. Uh, they're coming off a buy. I want to see how they look this weekend, hosting Georgia Tech at home. I don't think that price is going to change drastically if they win a close one, if they win by a lot, whatever the case may be. Only thing that'll change a ton is if they somehow lose at home to Georgia Tech, in which case I'm not really interested in Miami to win the league anyway. So interested in Miami, but I think I want to wait on that one just a little bit longer. All right, let's get into week six here, and it's time for our showdown breakdown. Two games today, starting with the Red River shootout, Red River rivalry, whatever you want to call it. It's Oklahoma, it's Texas, it's the Cotton Bowl in Dallas at the Texas State Fair, and this is a huge one for so many reasons. There's the obvious. These are both undefeated teams, they're rivals, and they are going to be playing for really the right to say they are the premier team in the Big 12 right now. The winner of this game, I think, is almost assuredly going to go to the Big 12 championship game. There's also the factor that Oklahoma got absolutely blown out in this game a year ago in Brent Venable's first season on the job. And there's some pressure on him. There's some pressure on that Oklahoma program to prove that that wasn't a trend, that it's a fluke. There's also the implications around the college football playoff. If you win the Big 12, you're going to have a great chance to go to the college football playoff. And with Texas having already defeated Alabama on the year, there's a, a real opportunity here for them to say, we are the team at the top of this sport. We are the team that you need to take most seriously this season. We are a team that can go out and win a national title. This isn't the Texas of old. This is a new Texas, a Texas that not only shows up in big games, that wins big games, but also takes care of teams that they should take care of, like Kansas, a week ago. And now this is not that. This is a another big game, but it's a great opportunity for Texas to show they can do both. And then on top of it all, there is this whole underlying thing where Texas and Oklahoma are leaving the Big 12 together. They're going to the SEC next year. And I think there's something real here where both teams want to make sure that they are entering the SEC on the right foot. And for these two programs, a lot of times people kind of lump them together like they are the kings of the Big 12. And from a brand perspective, that's absolutely true. But only one of them, Oklahoma, has really dominated the league the way people think both have dominated the league. The Big 12, the first year the Big 12 was a conference and there was a football champion, was 1996. Since that time, Oklahoma's won 14 Big 12 championships. Texas has won three. So it's Oklahoma that's dominated the league, right? But things have changed a little bit because... Brent Venables comes in. He's in his second year now at Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley goes to USC. And Texas does absolutely drub them last year. There's a lot of momentum on the recruiting trail for Sark and Texas. People are starting to think, okay, things are changing. And it's so important for both of them to go into the SEC on the right foot. And at first, I was going to make the comparison that it's kind of like going from high school to college this transition from 
the a Big 12 to the SEC, but I realize that's not really right. It's more like going from middle school to high school because when you go from high school to college, you get to kind of completely start over. You didn't go to high school with all the people that you're going to college with. You can kind of be whoever you want to be. But when you go from middle school to high school, yeah, there's a whole group of new people that are going to join you at that high school, but you still have history with a lot of these people you went to middle school with. And that's kind of the situation for Oklahoma and Texas right now, because you want to leave middle school and go into high school with this perception around you that you are cool, that you did make the middle school basketball team, that you do have all these friends, that you're cool, that you're popular. And that's what Oklahoma and Texas are trying to do right now because recruiting is all about perception. It always is. And they cannot afford to go into the SEC where the recruiting battles are meaner and nastier and more competitive than they were in the Big 12 with people thinking they're the kid that peed their pants in the sixth grade when they're going into high school. And that's what Oklahoma is trying to avoid right now. They don't want to be the kid who peed his pants in the sixth grade because that's what happened last year. They played five quarterbacks in that game. Dylan Gabriel was injured, but they got absolutely destroyed by Texas a year ago. And it would behoove them to either go out and win this game or be very competitive in this game as they look to make this transition into the SEC. You got to have the perception that, yeah, we are still a national power. We are this program that has won 14 Big 12 titles. We haven't taken a step back just because Lincoln Riley left us for USC. There's a lot of bitterness there, and there's something to prove there. And then at the same time for Texas, you need to prove we're not the same old Texas. For years and years and years, when I was growing up in the 90s, the early 2000s, Oklahoma dominated this game and dominated this rivalry and you still need to prove as Texas you can show up every single week it's not enough that you beat uh, beat Alabama rather in Tuscaloosa that's a great win but now you got to show up show up and back it up by beating Oklahoma in Red River so there's a lot there when we think about the future of these programs, the future of college football, and these two teams moving into their new place in the sport, making that jump from middle school to high school. And it's going to matter in recruiting, and recruiting is the lifeblood of this sport and SEC programs. So there is so much to look forward to in this game, and it's such a meaningful game. So let's get down to actually what to watch in this football game. The big matchup that I want to watch is that Texas defensive line versus Oklahoma's offensive line because Texas is one of the best teams in the country at getting in the backfield and stopping run plays dead in its tracks. And Oklahoma's offensive line has struggled at times. It struggled to get a push. It's been stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage on over 20% of its run plays in non-garbage time situations. That's 113th the worst in the country. 113 out of 133. And I think Texas has a big advantage there 
Oklahoma's offensive line has not been what it was. It was one of the strength of the team, one of the team's strengths for years. And I think Texas has a really big advantage in that area and can stop Oklahoma's running game dead in its tracks. Because of that, I'm going to bet Texas minus six and a half in this game. And you might be thinking, okay, Oklahoma is not known as a running team. That's just a small part of the game. But if Oklahoma cannot run the ball and they're making Oklahoma one dimensional, it, it changes the whole game. It changes the whole game in Texas' favor. In Texas's favor, then you add on to that fact that Quinn Ewers always plays his best in big games. You saw that game against Alabama. He played his absolute best last year in Red River. He played great. He shows up when it matters most, and that's exactly what I expect him to do in this game. I do think Oklahoma's defense is better, but I don't think Oklahoma's defense has played an offense anything like Texas's. You saw last week, Oklahoma played Iowa State. The Iowa State offense has struggled mightily this year. And that was a real game into the second quarter. OU led 21 to 20 with nine minutes to go in the second quarter and then went on a 29 to 0 run to end the game. And Iowa State was able to hit some big plays in the passing game in that first quarter and a half. Now, OU's defense settled down. They figured things out and they played much better the rest of the game. But there is still some weakness there that I think Texas and Quinn yours are going to be able to exploit. I think this Texas team is a complete team. I don't see an obvious flaw with this team. I think they have great receivers. I think they found a really nice running game. Quinn yours, like I said, always plays well in big games. And I love this Texas defense, this Texas defensive line, the way they stopped the run. And as you saw it, the way they were able to get after the quarterback in Tuscaloosa. So give me the Longhorns minus six and a half to go with my futures bet on Texas to win the national title at 11 to one. Now, our next big game of the day in our showdown breakdown is the 330 game Alabama at Texas A&M. And this is one that is close year in and year out. It's seemingly no matter how good or bad each of these teams are. And let's be honest, Alabama's always good. Texas A&M is the one that's up and down. It seems like it's a big game in a close game. Texas A&M is the two and a half point dog in this one. Earlier in the week, it was three, three and a half, and, and it's come down a little bit. The total in this game isn't always low, 47, 46 and a half, 47. These are two really good defenses that are going to go at it. And what I look at in this game is A&M's defensive line versus that Alabama offensive line. A&M has had seven sacks each of the last two weeks against Arkansas and, get, and against Auburn. You look at Alabama. And this is an area where they've struggled a little bit. Texas had five sacks against them. The Mississippi schools each had four against them. And I think this is an area where A&M's defense really has a big advantage and can really make some plays. The other big question for me in this game is which quarterback can avoid the big mistake? Because Connor Wegman, A&M's quarterback, went out. He's done for the year, and they had to bring in Max Johnson. And last week against Arkansas, Max Johnson made some really nice throws. He looked very good at times, but he also had a pick six. 
He had a fumble, and there was another throw in that game that was very nearly a pick six. Against Texas, Jalen Milrow went 14-27, and he had two picks. But in the two games he's played since then, and and those were against the two Mississippi schools, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, he's gone 27-33 for with just one pick. They've designed the offense where it seems like it's a little more run-heavy and playing more to his strength of running the football. So it comes down to me which quarterback avoids a big mistake. And this game is in College Station. It's at Texas A&M, which has one of the best crowds in the country, a huge home field advantage there. And I think that gives A&M an advantage in some way, and it makes Mech Johnson feel a little more comfortable, puts a little more pressure on Jalen Milrow to make some plays. And I think Milrow, I, I'm a fan of his. I've been on his bandwagon all year. I've been driving this train that Alabama can still be very good because of that roster and how good it is top to bottom, how well they've recruited. But A&M is one of the few teams in the country right up there with Georgia who can say, okay, Alabama, I see your roster. Our roster is just as talented top to bottom. And for that reason, I'm going with Texas A&M in this game. I missed out on the plus three and a half earlier in the week. So I am going with A&M. It's on the money line. It's plus 123 on Bet Rivers. That's the best I could find. So I'm going to bet this on the money line. A&M plus 123. I'm also going to make this the first leg of my money line parlay of the week. Let's get into the rest of the slate in a big week six. That's right. It's time to spray the board. I'm going to tell you what I'm watching and what I'm betting. There are a couple good weeknight games here, and we're in this long stretch of like 50-some days where there's going to be a football game every day. We got some midweek Conference USA action, and on Friday night, a couple Power 5 matchups between Kansas State and Oakland. Kansas State goes to Oklahoma State, and Nebraska goes to Illinois. Those are games certainly worth watching, but let me get to the Saturday slate because it's going to be a big day. And at noon, on my main screen, and the way I'm going to kind of go through this, and this is how I used to do this a little bit too when I tell you what I'm watching, is my setup is I have a main TV, a secondary TV, and then I have a laptop that I put games on. So on my main TV at noon, of course, is going to be Red River. And for me, the secondary screen is going to be Maryland and Ohio State. No bet in this game. Interesting spot for Maryland, 5-0. and Going to the horseshoe. Buckeyes coming off a bye. A little downtime after that big emotional win over Notre Dame that seemed to be so important to Ryan Day. He's been talking about it. Ever since last week, he did some speaking engagement where he said that the most romantic thing he's done for his wife recently was beat Notre Dame. He is still fired up about that one, and I get it. It's a huge win for Ohio State. But Maryland is trying to prove something. They are trying to prove that this is not the same old Terps team that will beat up on some some lower level of competition and then fall short against Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan. Beating one of those three teams this year would do so much for that program, so much for that fan base. And I've had this conversation with a lot of people. I would rather the Terps go eight and four with a win over one of those three teams than nine and three with the three losses to being being 
to those three teams. I think it is so important just from a, a mental perspective for both the program and the fan base that the fan base needs a moment, right? They need a memorable moment like that. And for the program, I think it does provide a mentality that yes, we can go out there and beat these teams. The question always for Maryland is, can they compete in the big 10 with the top tier programs on the lines. And that's going to be the question. That's going to be the thing to watch in this game as well. Can Maryland compete on the lines early in the season? Maryland's defensive line was not creating a ton of pressure, but they've started to create more in the past couple games. They were also giving up some big pass plays earlier, early in the season, but against Indiana and Michigan state, I should say Michigan state, they only allowed two pass plays of over of 20 yards or more in each of those games. Maryland's defense has been very good this year. It's been a little bend, but don't break. And they have a big test against Ohio state. I'm not betting this game. It's around a 20 point spread right now. I, I don't love betting Maryland games as a, as a Maryland fan, uh, 20, 20 and a half, 19 and a half. It's a, it's a little all over the place at the moment. I'd consider the Terps if it gets up to 21. It, it's going to come down to me. Can they compete on the lines? And does Talia Tungavailoa avoid making big mistakes? He has been a great quarterback for Maryland. But can he avoid a costly turnover? Can he avoid the 15-yard sack or intentional grounding? That's kind of been the rub with him. He's done so many good things, but he also still has that tendency to take some take some big losses, to throw an interception at an inopportune time. It's a huge year for him. It's a huge opportunity to, sh to get one of those big wins under his belt. He beat Penn State during the COVID season, but over the past two years, he's 0-6 against those big three teams in the 2021 and 2022 seasons. He gets another crack at it on Saturday, and this is a big one for the Terps. And, you know, if there is an opportunity for Ohio State to break out offensively, something they've been waiting for, you would think that coming off a bye week might be the opportunity to do it. So I just spent a lot of words on a, a game that I'm not betting, but it is a game I'm very interested in watching to see if my Terps can be a spoiler in the Big Ten the rest of the season and where Ohio State stands coming off that big Notre Dame win. Because I think for them to get where they want to go, which at Ohio State is always national championship, their offense needs to improve. And I want to see if it has improved coming off of that bye week. Uh, now, a couple games I'm betting, which I'll be monitoring on the laptop. LSU at Missouri. This is a big one in the SEC. I gave out this overplay, which I love on Sunday afternoon. I got the over at 61 and a half. I love that number. It is now skyrocketed over the course of the week. It has gone up to 64 and a half. So it's, it's gone up by a whole field goal. Still under that 65 number. I, Look, again, this is why I love betting games early on the week on Sunday when before these lines start to move, when they're not quite as sharp. This LSU defense has not been very good. 
1,300 yards combined in that LSU Ole Miss game last week. Missouri's offense has been very good with Luther Burden at wide receiver, Theo Weiss at wide receiver. Brady Cook, their quarterback, has played really well. I went over 61 and a half earlier in the week. I would still play it under 60 at, at 64 and a half under that number of 65. I would still play it. But as always, if you can get it better, get it better. So I am going over 61 and a half there. And this is actually my second money line parlay of the week. This is a huge game for Missouri. I'm sorry, I should say this is the second leg of my money line parlay of the week. So my first leg, AM to take down Bama. My second leg, we're staying in the SEC with Missouri taking down LSU at home. It's a big game for Missouri. LSU comes in, they're licking their wounds a little bit. That secondary has looked so bad. I like the matchup for Missouri because I just talked about it. I love their wide receivers. I think Missouri wins this one in a shootout. Uh, I think it's going to be high scoring, but I think ultimately... Missouri just has a good matchup there with that LSU secondary. Give me the Tigers as my second leg in that money line parlay of the week. Another game I like in this noontime slot. I had it either last week or two weeks ago. Can't remember, but Rutgers, I think it was two weeks ago after the Michigan game. Rutgers as a team that lost, but I'm buying. I said, I am going to target opportunities to bet Rutgers against some of these Big Ten West teams when they're getting lots of points. So give me Ruck or give me Rutgers plus 14 at Wisconsin. I really like this Rutgers defense. I think their style of play where they play slow, they try to run the ball, they don't have the best offense, but they have a really good defense. It bodes well for sticking in some of these games and covering big numbers where they're going to try to limit possessions. So give me Rutgers plus 14. I'm still not entirely sold on this whole Wisconsin dairy raid concept. They still are running the ball a ton. They have a very good running game, but I like this Rutgers defense. I like this defensive line. I think the style of play keeps them in it. Give me Rutgers plus 14 going up to Madison for a sleepy 11 a.m. Central time kick on to the 330 time slot. And my main screen, of course, is going to be that A&M Bama game. Well, if we're being really honest, if the O's play at four, if the O's have ALDS game one at four, that's going to be my main screen. I'm going to have to get four TVs that day. I don't know. I have to figure that one out. But A&M Bama is my college football main screen for that one. And that's the game of the the game of that time slot. We went through that one in depth already. A couple other games that I'm going to be betting that I'll probably be rotating between the second screen and the laptop here. Uh, Marshall, this is one I gave out on Sunday. Marshall plus six and a half going on the road to NC State. You can now get Marshall at plus seven on BetMGM. I would take that if you can get it. This is an interesting one because when I first bet this one, Brennan Armstrong was still NC State's starting quarterback. On Monday, NC State head coach Dave Doran announced that they are going to go with MJ Morris, a guy who played last year, but they were trying to redshirt this year. They were going to make that quarterback change and move MJ Morris into the starting quarterback role. I don't know that this really matters a whole lot, and I would stick with this bet because I don't think Brennan Armstrong has really been the problem for NC State this season. I think it's been a little bit of a lack of skill and talent on the outside. Their, their offensive line has also not been great. And I don't really know that MJ Morris changes a whole lot. I think 
Brennan Armstrong was running the ball a lot himself. Uh, MJ Morris got a lot of carries late in the season last year, a lot of design quarterback run, albeit different offensive coordinator at the time. Now Robert and I in as the offensive coordinator for the NC State Wolfpack. And I, I Brennan Armstrong was running the ball a lot. So I don't think much changes there in that way. Maybe it gives them a little bit of a spark, but I just don't think they have the weapons on the outside. And this is another team where, you know, I expected Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I to come together again, like they did at Virginia, where Brennan Armstrong sent, set records for that program. And I expected them to be really, really good, have a prolific offense. That hasn't been it. And that's what I've seen. And my, my perception has changed and I'm betting accordingly. So I like Marshall plus six and a half. If you can get that seven at BetMGM, go ahead and get that one. Uh, I'm going to be sticking with that six and a half that I got earlier in the week. One more note on that. NC State's defense definitely did look better against Louisville, but Marshall is not the most efficient run team. They're a very heavy run team and they hit some explosive plays in the run game with Rasheen Ali. And NC State's been susceptible to big runs throughout this season. Whether it's been UConn, whether it's been Notre Dame, they have given up big runs. Marshall, really good under Charles Huff against Power 5 teams. They beat Notre Dame last year. They've beaten Virgi- they beat Virginia Tech earlier this year. And they're trying to make it 3-0 with a win over NC State on Saturday. Give me the Thundering Herd plus 6.5. Another game that I like, and by the way, that Marshall NC State game, 2 p.m. Eastern. Another game I like in this late afternoon time slot, but it's not 3.30. It's a 3 p.m. game, UCLA against Washington State. UCLA is the team that I'm taking here as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. I think this is a decent buy low spot on UCLA at home. The last time I bet on UCLA a couple weeks ago, I lost that one. They lost a brutal, horrible, ugly game to Utah, 14 to seven in Salt Lake City. And I I think that this is a good buy low spot for them coming home. They really got beat up in that game. It seemed like every time I looked over, Dante Moore was getting sacked or was under pressure. And uh, it's a tough place to play for a freshman quarterback. But now they get Washington State at home and they're a three and a half point favorite. And I like the way UCLA runs the ball. I think Washington State has had a little bit of a trouble stopping the run this season. And I think UCLA playing at home, and it's not so much the fact that the Rose Bowl is such a great crowd. It's the fact that they're not playing in Wazoo ahead of that great, uh, in front of that great crowd, that hostile crowd. I think... UCLA will run the ball. I think Dante Moore, who has all the talent in the world as a true freshman, he's thrown some absolute dimes this year. I think he will be very comfortable, much more comfortable playing at home than he was in Salt Lake City. I think this team will, this UCLA team will go out and win this game. And I think that a lot of times in the Pac-12 with some of these mid-tier teams, like the number five through seven team in the conference, that home field advantage matters so much, or in this case, not playing in front of this, that great Wazoo home crowd can matter a lot. I've loved everything that Cam Ward has done this year, Washington State's quarterback. I'm rooting for Washington State as one of the forgotten two in the Pac-12, but this week, I think UCLA gets it done. Give me the Bruins minus three and a half. Another game I'm betting this week, and I'm just kind of betting this on principle, is Iowa-Purdue under 39 and a half. 
you give me an Iowa total that close to 40, I'm going under. Their quarterback, Cade McNamara, is now out for the season. Caleb Johnson... Uh, Caleb Johnson and Jazz Patterson were both injured, did not play last week. I believe one of them is back at practice this week, or I, I know one of them is back at practice this week. I can't remember who. I, I think it was Caleb Johnson, but it might have been... Uh, okay, yeah, it was Caleb Johnson back at practice this week, but uh, Jazz Patterson not on the depth chart Caleb Johnson had a big game against Purdue last year, but I just think this offense is absolutely broken and losing Cade McNamara doesn't help. It doesn't help that they lost their, their great receiving threat at tight end Lachey a couple weeks ago. It doesn't help that they lost their starting quarterback. It doesn't help that their running backs have been banged up and it doesn't help from a, a total perspective that Purdue and Iowa are a hundred first and a hundred ninth nationally respectively in points per opportunity. So when they cross the four, their opponent's 40-yard line, they are not scoring points. I love that when you're playing an under. Don't give me an Iowa total this close to 40. I'm going to hit the under every time just out of principle. Iowa-Purdue under 39 and a half. And then the last game I want to talk about here at, three thir- at the late afternoon time slot is a 4 p.m. game. UCF goes to Kansas and this is going to be the last leg of my money line parlay of the week. It's another buy low spot and I am going to take UCF on the money line going to Lawrence to finish off my money line parlay of the week. So that's going to be Mizzou, Texas A&M and UCF at plus 14, 13, just over 14 to one odds, put in a half unit on that as always. Uh, I'm going to take all three of those teams to win outright in a parlay. Interestingly enough, two teams that are former Big 12 teams, one team that is a current Big 12 member. I'm going to take all three of them to win. And you might be saying to yourself, and I wouldn't blame you, Steven, how in the hell are you going to take UCF coming off that loss last week, that brutal blown game against Baylor. They had it in the bag. It's devastating. How do you get up off the mat after that one? Well, it looks like there is a chance John Rice Plumley, UCF starting quarterback, is going to be playing in this game. There's nothing official, but he did warm up last week. He has been practicing, and it seems like he could play in this game. And I think that's a huge advantage for them and something I'm willing to take a chance on because UCF has a great running game. They have an even better running game when John Rice Plumley plays, and Kansas has given up a ton of explosive plays on the ground. Kansas, great offense, really bad defense. That's their weakness. They've done a great job this year managing around Jalen Daniels' injury. Their starting quarterback, Big 12 preseason offensive player of the year. He was injured last week. He didn't end up playing in the Texas game their their quarterback their backup Jason Bean had to play unclear where things uh, stand this week so with this quarterback uncertainty I really think that the I think the UCF run game is the most reliable thing in this game so give me UCF to finish off my money line parlay of the week at just over 14 to 1 odds in prime time I am not betting any of these games, but on my main screen, I am going to start 
with Kentucky at Georgia. On my secondary screen is going to be Notre Dame at Louisville. At some point, those two games might get flip-flopped. But I want to start with the dogs because UGA, a 14.5-point favorite at home over the visiting Kentucky Wildcats. And this is a huge divisional matchup for UGA. Georgia has not looked great in any of their SEC contests so far this year. They've gotten off to slow starts. They've kind of squeaked out nail biters against teams with major, major falls. And I think Kentucky is a pretty big upgrade, quite honestly, over South Carolina and Auburn. Now, Kentucky won't have the crowd that Auburn did. Uh, They won't have Carson Beck starting on the road. They'll be in Athens. But Kentucky ran the ball so well last week. I feel like Kentucky can keep this one close. It's just a matter of can they shut down Brock Bowers, which Auburn couldn't do last week and will Kentucky just stick with the running game even if it's not working early on uh will they find a way to make it work and then can Devin Leary make a big play so I want to see this Georgia team again because I I, again getting 2014 FSU vibes from them I think they are not quite what they have been and they have a chance to prove me wrong this week because a blowout win over Kentucky would go a long way towards making me change my mind now this other game Notre Dame just every week is in prime time often against an ACC opponent what a stretch they've had here with Ohio State at Duke they had Ohio State at home, then they go on the road to Duke, and now another ACC opponent opponent at Louisville, and Louisville is a team that is undefeated. They're fired up. They finally have a head coach in Jeff Brom, who it seems like wants to be there, and when you talk to Louisville people, that's all they say, is everybody is so excited that Louisville finally has a coach who seemingly is invested and wants to be there. That offense have been, has been pretty explosive this year, was not great a week ago against NC State and an ugly one on a Friday night. But also when you talk to people, they say that Louisville has athletes on defense. They're fast. They're athletic. They can run around and make plays. And Notre Dame just seems like they have to play big game after big game where they're getting everybody's best shot week after week. And this is one that I, I'm not going to bet it's Louisville plus six and a half. I think if I could get Louisville at seven, give, if you give me a touchdown in this game, give me a seven, seven and a half, then I'd start to think about Louisville. I, I think Jeff Brom has a great history too of ha- having teams while at Purdue overachieve and either pull off upsets like the time that they beat Ohio State or play some good teams really close. He's a great offensive mind. He does some really good things. And this is a huge matchup for Louisville. It's going to be, I expect it to be a great crowd there. And Notre Dame has to take another team's best shot for the second week in a row, third game in a row in prime time. Obviously, the game meant a lot to Ohio State three weeks ago and Ryan Day. So I think they got Ohio State's best shot there too. So I tell, I'll give it three weeks in a row where they're going to get somebody's best shot. But it's really different, I feel like, when you're going on the road, and that is the game. That was the game for Duke fans. This is the game for Louisville fans. It's going to be a hostile environment. And I think if if Notre Dame wins this one, I got to start thinking again about Notre Dame as a potential college football playoff team. Because there's not a team left on their schedule, and I know they have Clemson, and I know they have USC, that they can't beat if they can 
can get through this one. So interested to watch it. Don't have a bet on it right now. My last bet of the day, we're going to head to the late night slot and I'm going to take Oregon State minus nine and a half at Cal. Cal got a win last week. This is going to be a buy or sell low on Cal. Cal had a 32% post-game win expectancy last week against Arizona State in a game that they won. Uh, they only had 4.6 yards per pass a week ago against Arizona State. I like the Beavs laying less than 10 here. I love their run game. Uh, I think their Jonathan Smith is one of the best offensive minds in college football, and I like them to put up some points. I like their defense to hold Cal down. So give me Oregon State on the road laying the nine and a half. So as a recap, I have Texas minus six and a half in Red River. I have Texas A&M money line plus one twenty. Against Alabama. I have the Missouri LSU over 61 and a half, would play it to 64 and a half. I have Rutgers plus 14 at Wisconsin, Marshall plus six and a half at NC State, but you should go out and get that seven at Bet MGM. I have UCLA minus three and a half at home versus Washington State. I have Iowa Purdue under 39 and a half. Don't tempt me with that number. Don't get so close to 40 Vegas. I'll go under on that Iowa Purdue game every time. Oh, and I missed one, guys. I missed one here. I don't know how I did. My apologies. Uh, but I am going to go with... Uh, I got two bets on the same game here. Iowa State TCU. Iowa State TCU under 53 and a half. Iowa State plus six and a half against the Horn Frogs. I think TCU this season has shown that they are a team that's kind of pliable in their identity. I think Iowa State can drag them down into the kind of game they want to play, which is a grinded out defense first type game. And that's why I like the under in this one. And then if you're going with the under 53, I think they, they kind of pair together. If you like it to go under, you like Iowa State because it means Iowa State is dictating the game. And I, I, that's what I kind of think is going to happen here. I think Iowa State dictates this game. I think they drag them down into the muck. This is a primetime game, an 8 p.m. game in Ames. And TCU has shown a lot of regression this year. That offense doesn't seem to be the same explosive offense it was, whether it's the fact that they lost Max Duggan and Quentin Johnston and that group of players that took them to the national championship game, whether it's the fact that they lost Garrett Riley as the offensive coordinator to Clemson. I'm not sure, but this Texas, uh, this TCU offense rather is not the same as it was a season ago. And I think that they can get dragged down into the mud by Iowa state. I mentioned it earlier. I, I like the way that Iowa state moved the ball early in that game against Oklahoma. Now they also made some big mistakes in that game. There was a pick six in that game. There was a blocked punt in that game, but they showed a few things early in that game. And I'm not impressed by TCU's defense. Give me that under 53. I think Iowa state drags this game down and I think they covered the six and a half. I don't know how I forgot that one in the prime time slot. I got to do better note taking here, but add those two to my card. Glad I at least had it down here so I could get you that info. And then my last one, Oregon state minus nine and a half at Cal, my money line parlay of the week at plus 14, 14, 13, just over 14 to one odds is Mizzou 
Texas A&M and UCF to all win outright. That's our show for today. Until next time, keep the grill hot and the cooler cold. 